a prescription for all of us that we have to sell everything that we have. But he was getting to the root of that man's problem. The root of the problem was his love of these things. And uh, he went away, uh, the accounts in the Gospels say, sorrowing because he had much, much money. Um, and in, in, in the context of that, in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, all things are possible with God. The disciples were wondering, boy, is, is this even possible for this man? And Jesus says, all things are possible with God. Yes, pulling that root out is hard, but with God, all things are possible. And, and then this verse in, in uh, 1 Timothy goes on, the love money root of all kind, kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. In other words, money has replaced God in their lives, and so they've gone in that direction. And he says, and pierce themselves with many pangs. The word pangs is referring to griefs. Including It can include a guilty conscience, it can include broken friendships, all kinds of griefs that come as a result of, of this love of money. And the ultimate grief is for someone who, uh, whose money is their God, and the ultimate grief is eternal punishment, eternal uh, damnation. But turning back here to Proverbs 16, this proverb is a repeat. It's one of, one of the few proverbs that gets repeated several times in the book. It's a repeat of the principle that's found in Proverbs 3.15 and in Proverbs 8, 10, verses 10 and 11 and in verse 19. But looking, looking at, at this proverb, he says in verse 16, how much better to get wisdom? Now, let's, we've talked a lot about wisdom, especially in the beginning chapters of studying this book. But uh, let's kind of review about getting wisdom, what that's all about. Wisdom is the ability to make right choices. It's not just information but it's the ability to make right choices. That is the choices that God wants us to make. That's wisdom. And this wisdom in Proverbs has been called skill in wisdom. And that's a good, good title uh, for it. And uh, we, we also saw at the beginning of our study of the book that as a believer, we are in Christ. And there's a wonderful principle we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, where it tells us as believers, we are promised the mind of Christ. Wow. We are promised the mind of Christ. As a believer, we are in Christ, and we are promised the mind of Christ. Where do we get that from? God's word it reveals to us the mind of Christ. And uh, we have the Holy Spirit within us who impresses that on our hearts. And, and uh, uh, it, it's just a, a tremendous part of being a believer that uh, we have this connection with wisdom. So he says, how much better to get wisdom 
than gold. Now remember who's writing this. It is Solomon. Solomon's kind of interesting that he would write it because Solomon, uh, when he became king, God told him to ask him for anything. And uh, Solomon uh, considered that and he asked for wisdom. And God was pleased with that. And he said, you could have asked for, for wealth, but since you asked for wisdom, I will give you both wisdom and wealth. So Solomon, in his day, was the richest man in the world and the wisest man in the world. So I think he's qualified to, te to tell us in verse 16, it is much better to give wisdom than wealth. And uh, he was uh, certainly, um, he knew what he was talking about. But then when you, when you study the life of Solomon, you, you realize even this man who had all this wisdom from God, yet he was easily turned from that wisdom by sin. And we're going to see in the next, next proverb about uh, handling that uh, in our lives. But um, he, here's the man with the most gold and the most, most wisdom. And he says, you know, it's better to get wisdom. And then the next line in verse 16, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, understanding is a byproduct of wisdom. Wisdom, we saw, is the ability to make right choices. It's skill in living. Byproduct of that is wisdom. And, and that's better than knowledge, just like wisdom is better than knowledge. Knowledge can be compared to having all the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle in front of you. And you see that one and that one, oh, that looks nice, that looks nice. But understanding is putting all those pieces together and then what you have with that. And that's the picture that Solomon is, is picturing there for us. And he says, this understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The world is always grabbing all of these pieces of knowledge, like the pieces of the puzzle. But without God's wisdom, you don't know how they all fit together. And Solomon says that's, that's even greater than silver. You know, that reminds me of a parable that Jesus told. Let's turn to it in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 44. Matthew 13 is a chapter of Proverbs, or excuse me, of parables, wonderful parables, but one of them that's not as often talked about because it's only a very short one is 13, verse 44. And in 1344, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, a lot of money or whatever, hidden in a field. So somewhere along the line, someone buried all this treasure in a field. We don't know how long ago Jesus didn't tell that in the story. But it was hidden in a field which a man found now, the law of Israel in those days said it wasn't the owner of the property 
that owned it in a case like this. It was the person that found it. So what's going to happen here? He doesn't do anything illegal, according to the laws of that day. So he found this treasure, and then he covered it up. And then in his joy, this is the remarkable part, in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So he, in effect, gives up all of his money that he has had, whatever wealth he has had, to buy this field so he is guaranteed to have this treasure. And Jesus says that was not a foolish move because the treasure was that valuable. And uh, selling all that he had was not painful uh, to him. Rather, it was joyful because of this newfound uh, treasure. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't mournful over what, in effect, was junk to get rid of compared to the great treasure to come. And Jesus' point is that uh, that treasure is like the treasure that God wants us to get in our wisdom, in our growth in wisdom, or in other words, in our growth in learning the things of God in the, will of, in the word of God. It's great treasure. And he says, you know, that's worth everything uh, to, to grow in that. Um, many years ago, there was a great Bible teacher, well-known uh, in the country and so on, and he was giving a Bible conference somewhere, and uh, there was a member of the local church who uh, had volunteered to drive him around. And he's driving him around, and he says, you know, I would give up everything to know the Bible like you do. And the man said, well, that's what it will cost you, because that man was speaking from experience. There is a cost in time and all kinds of effort if we're really going to dig into God's word and to grow in it. Uh, so then I have to ask, is getting into God's word valuable to you? Are you spending time digging for the treasure? Turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, longest psalm, longest chapter in the Bible. Every verse talks about the word of God. Uh, almost every verse, there's a couple that don't, but it has 176 verses, and so um, it's only a couple that don't. But Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16, Psalmist said, in the way of your testimonies, that's a, that's a synonym in Psalm 119 for the word of God. One of the things the word of God has are the testimonies of who God is and what God has done. So you could say, in the way of your word, I delight as much as in all riches. Kind of parallel with what Solomon is saying. And then he says, I will meditate on your precepts. That's another synonym for the Bible, the word of God. I'll meditate. I'll, I, I won't just surface read them, but I will meditate. I'll, I'll, I'll mull over uh, what, what your word says. And um, fix my eyes on your ways as they are shown in the word of God. Verse 16, 
I will delight in your statutes. That's another synonym for the word of God. I will not forget your word. What a, what a wonderful trio of verses that we should pray. This should be something that we go back to over and over again when we pick up the Bible and we're praying that God will speak to us from his word. These are great verses to pray back to God. So are you spending time digging for the treasure? The second of these Proverbs tonight is walk the highway of righteousness, and that's in verse 17, in, in turning back to Proverbs 16. So Proverbs 16, 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Now, this highway, uh, most, most of the people in the land of Israel, in the Middle East in those days, they did most of their walking on paths. And these paths were, were not the easiest to walk on. They would have stones in the way, and, and they would be narrow, and, and rains would come and make them muddy and maybe wash them out and so on. But they did have some what they called highways, obviously not uh, like our highways, but they were carefully prepared, and they were graded, and they were maintained. The big thing was that obstacles had been removed so that it enabled them to travel faster. And that's the picture that he's picturing here. We, the righteous, he says, the highway of the upright, that's referring to a righteous person in contrast to the wicked. In other words, in Proverbs, it's referring to the believer, the believer in Christ. Uh, you know, Genesis 15, 16, God, uh, Abraham believed God, it says, and God counted to him as righteousness. And that is a key verse for how we can be upright, how we can be righteous. We have placed our faith in Christ and we are given that righteousness. So this applies for us as believers that we are on a highway that we could call God's highway of righteousness. And this highway, from time to time, turns aside. It makes a turn or a curve to avoid something along the way, a big boulder or something that would be an obstruction to us. And he says, you know what these, these obstructions are? He says, turns aside from evil. So this highway makes a turn to turn away to us from, from evil. And that takes effort to build that. And it, it does make the journey a little longer to go around it, but they found it worthwhile. Well, it's the same with this highway of righteousness, that it is worthwhile to turn a certain direction to avoid evil, to avoid sin. This word evil is referring to sin, and in the book of Proverbs, it has been used as something that is an abomination against God. 
And if you do it, you will, you will come into harm. And the Bible says we are to flee from that. So picture you as a believer on this highway of righteousness. And when you come to this obstacle, and we'll see in a little bit where these obstacles come from, you see this obstacle of sin the Bible says we're to flee it, or as they did in the highway, they fled it by making a turn, going around it. Uh, you have a great example uh, in, in the Older Testament of Joseph in the book of Genesis, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, and it says he just ran out. He wasn't uh, hanging around to try to fight it. Because he knew, he knew he might not uh, he might not uh, uh, leave it. He might yield, and so the New Testament and Paul tells us flee, flee these sins, flee youthful lusts. Then there's a negative example of someone who didn't do that, as David, King David. Even though David was the man after God's own heart. And yet he still had the flesh. And you know the terrible story of how <clears throat> he wasn't a, a young man and he should have known better. But uh, it was in the spring, it says, when the kings go out to war. And uh, in the winter, the kings typically didn't do that because of the bad weather and so on. But uh, in the winter, the kings normally, or in the, in the spring, the kings would go out to war. But he thought, oh, I don't feel like doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to lounge around here. And, you know, as he sees a woman. Uh, bathing on the rooftop next door, and he's filled with lust for her. And he winds up committing adultery with her. And then winds up, then she conceives, and he winds up killing, having her husband killed to cover it up. And um, all of that, when he should have, from the very moment, fled from that. That's a, even before he saw the woman, he should have fled from that temptation to... Uh, not go out to war as as he was supposed to. So this picture of us being on the high the the highway of righteousness has a lot to say about us in our lives and our fight against sin. In other words, what we see in the New Testament is called our sanctification, and we'll, we'll uh, be talking about that. The believer is on a path of sanctification. Sanctification is the process that makes us more and more like Christ. It begins at the moment of our salvation. When, when we come to salvation and our, old, our, our, our sins are forgiven and our old life, we are turning our back on. That's called repentance. And we are following Christ. And that starts a, a, a tremendous um, time in our life of this that's called sanctification. It's a process. But look what he says here. So the highway of uprightness turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. So guards his way. That's the idea of guarding something valuable. And so Solomon is reminding us 
that our following the Lord in righteousness is something valuable and that we are to guard that. Now, guards his way, the term way is referring to conduct that often does that uh, in the Bible. And uh, this reminds us of a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, Hebrews 12, 14, that no one, uh, oh, it's the wrong verse, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which without which no one will see the Lord. And so there's this verse in Hebrews that talks about us as the believer striving for holiness. That's a picture that's here in the proverb of guarding our way. It's not just going to happen if we just lay back and, and uh, relax like David did. But it's going to take some diligence and some vigilance as we look at our way. And we'll, we'll see what we're supposed to look at in a little bit. As it reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he told the disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Matthew 26, 41. So that's the same thing that, that Solomon's talking about when he says, whoever guards his way, as Jesus said, uh, that is uh, to be uh, watching and praying that we will not uh, enter into temptation and yield to temptation. So here we are on this highway of righteousness, but it doesn't take very long in the Christian life to realize we have three enemies. And these enemies are trying to put obstacles in our way on this highway of righteousness. And these enemies are described in the Bible. The first one is the devil. And the devil tries to deceive us. In Revelation 12, 9, Satan, the devil, is called, quote, the deceiver of the whole world. Certainly he is doing that to the whole non-believing world, deceiving them, um, oh, you know, Christ isn't God and so on. But he's, after we become a believer, he still, through false teachers and so on, tries to deceive us. So he tries to deceive us. Then, also in Revelation 2.10, it describes Satan uh, is, is trying to get Christians to sin by renouncing their faith. And he put, brings trials into our lives. Now, the subject of trials in our lives is very... Very interesting in the Word of God, when we look at the whole subject, we discover that the Lord doesn't allow any trial, no trial can come into our life except that the Lord allows it. But we have an enemy who is trying to bombard us with trials. It's kind of like the uh, missiles from Gaza that are bombarding Israel, and you have the Iron Dome that is there trying to knock them all down, but a few get through. And God has his Iron Dome for us, and none of these trials can get to us 
accept what God allows. And, and when he allows it, it's always for a purpose, a purpose that has to do with his plan for our life and his sanctification in our life. But anyway, here's, here's the devil. He's trying to put obstacles in our life through deceiving us, through bringing trials. And the pur- his purpose in trials is to get us to renounce our faith in, in Christ. Then we have an enemy called the world in, in the New Testament. And the world tries to squeeze us into its mold. Romans 12, 2, a very familiar verse Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. It's the picture of you have a a mold that you pour jello into, and that jello you poured in is all liquid. But you put it into the refrigerator, and that, that solidifies, and it takes the form of the mold. If the mold is an image of Mickey Mouse, it comes out looking like Mickey Mouse or whatever. And... Paul says, the world wants to squeeze you into its mold of ungodliness, of rejecting the things of God. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And, and so every day we are, we are in the world and, and all the media and uh, even the educational system and so on are constantly working on trying to make us conformed to their mold. That's one of the enemies that's throwing these obstacles in the road. Third one is the flesh, what, what the Bible calls the flesh. And the flesh is what we were in our sinfulness apart from the saving word, work of God. So it's, it's our, uh, the way we were before we came to salvation that just controlled our life. Now we've become a Christian and we have a different entity controlling our life. It's the Lord himself. But until we go to heaven and, and go th- have God's glorification in our life, we will be faced with this enemy, the flesh. Uh, in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, and 1 Peter 2, 11, it talks about the flesh warring against us. It's just uh, trying to, to fight us. I, put a, I, I think I put a quotation in your notes uh, from Jerry Bridges. I don't know if you've read any of Jerry Bridges' books. Uh, he wrote books until a few years ago when he came to be the Lord. All of his books are excellent, I think. And in one of his books, he wrote, Our flesh is always searching out opportunities to gratify itself according to the sinful desires each of us has. So in other words, this flesh has its sinful desires. And uh, so as he says here, this flesh is always looking for opportunities. Oh, I can sneak in there and I can get uh, Dennis to to yield to this and you can put your name in it. And then he continues, I really like this. Realize that your temptation antenna is constantly scanning your environment looking for those areas of sin. 
so it's, a, it's an interesting picture that each one of us has this antenna in the flesh that's constantly looking out there for uh, something that will entice us to the areas of sin that we are most enticed by. And that's constantly happening with the flesh. And so this verse is telling us, what are we to do about this? The three enemies, but I think the one that we tend to have the most problem with is the flesh. So what are we to do to guard our way? Well, I have some, some steps for us in the notes. First of all, renew our mind with Scripture. Uh, Romans 12, 2, that verse says, don't be conformed to this world. But then it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, what renews our mind? That is scripture. So instead of being conformed, we get transformed, made, changed, made into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then there's Psalm 119.11, verse 9, Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way clean? And verse 11 answers that by saying, By taking heed according to your word, thy word have I hidden in my heart. So we have Romans 12, being conformed uh, to the image of Christ, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word of God is involved with that. Psalm 119, verse 11. Then Matthew 4, 4. Remember in, in Jesus being tempted by Satan when Satan came to him in the wilderness with those three temptations. And Jesus responded to each one with a verse from Deuteronomy. How many verses do we know from Deuteronomy that we can throw in, in, against Satan when he tempts us? Probably not many. But it's interesting that Jesus, three times from Deuteronomy. But anyway, Jesus in Matthew 4.4 4, 4 quoted from Deuteronomy and said that God said, man shall not live by bread alone. We all like to eat, and it keeps us alive by eating. But in that wonderful promise, it says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so that's, we don't live just by physical bread, but we live spiritually and we grow and we become healthy by the meditating on the word of God. And so there, there, that's an important step in how we guard our way is to renew our mind. Second one, put off the old self and put on the new. Um, turn over to Ephesians 4. Very, very good verses, and we, they're verses that you probably run into often in, in your Bible study and find it referred to, but Ephesians 4, 20 to 24, Ephesians 4, 20, um, he says, but that is not the way you have learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So we're, we're, we're confronted by these temptations of the flesh. And so we're to renew our mind. And then with this new, renewed mind, 
we are to put off the old self. That is, put it off, turn from it. It, it, it takes it can take very uh, specific actions, such as if if you're being bombarded with sinful thoughts that come from things you see on television, turn off the television. Um, stop reading the book that is just uh, bombarding your mind with this. Uh, each one of us, uh, there's different areas, or or maybe there's a, a route that you drive commonly and it passes a place that just kind of entices you for temptation. Well, plan a different route. That is putting off the old self. Verse 23, and be renewed, there's that word renewed again, in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, putting on the new self, doing the things that God has told you to do in his word. And that's one of the neat things about Proverbs. It's given us so many things that we are to do that are part of this putting on of the new then there's another one that is avoid temptation, which is very similar. Um, you have Matthew 5, 29 to 30. Now let's look at that. Matthew 5, 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And, and so he's saying, you know, deal with, he's not literally saying, okay, you cut off your hand. You cut off your hand uh, if you're not dealing with the heart you're still going to have the temptation, whether the hand is there. Um, so he's saying deal with whatever it takes to deal uh, with that sin. And then there's Romans 13, 14, another one of those put-on passages where it says put uh, to, to put on, well, let's turn there. Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14. Thirteen, fourteen, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So to put on the Lord Jesus Christ means to do what is pleasing to him. And uh, that's what we discover in God's word, the things that are pleasing to him. Ask God to help you recognize how you are making provision for the flesh. If you're constantly fighting a particular battle against sin and yielding to it, ask God uh, how you are making provision for the flesh. In other words, the things that you are doing that are just prompting this and, and say no to those things. Ask God's power uh, for that. And then the last uh, way that I put in your notes how to guard, pray that the Lord will keep you from sin. There's the, the part of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 
chapter 6, verse 13. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And then there's that verse, Matthew 26, 41, we saw already, where Jesus says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Okay, but back here in Proverbs 16, verse 17, whoever guards his way preserves his life. That is a tremendous reminder that God's going to bless as we guard our way and uh, preserves his life. There's a sense in which that speaks of physical life. You follow God's way, um, and it's, it's going to affect physical life. That's not saying, oh, I'm not going to die young or something like that. But there are things that, that do happen as a result of obeying God's, God's way that helps preserve our physical life. But more than that, it's talking about our spiritual health. And there's that verse in 3 John 2 where John writes and he talks about he is so glad that this person he's writing to is doing well physically, but oh, how much... Even more glad I am that you are healthy spiritually. And that's the most important health, is spiritual health. And that's the primary way that this verse would be applied, that we guard our way and it's going to help preserve our physical health. So how are you doing in your walk on the highway of righteousness. I have a suggestion of a book uh, to help in this area. I had that quotation from Jerry Bridges. It comes from his book called The Discipline of Grace. I would highly recommend that book. And uh, particularly chapter 12. Chapter 12 in that book is titled The Discipline of Watching. And it's a chapter about this concept in verse 17 uh, where, where he says uh, to guard his way. And uh, that, that chapter is, is so, so good. Now, whether you can get the book or not, or, or do get the book or not, I would encourage you, if you have access to the Internet, to go to a blog I thoroughly enjoy, and I have for years, a blog by a believer named Tim Challies. And go to Challies, that's C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S, Challies.com. Every day except Sunday, Tim Challies will put on there most days, he will write an article uh, not every day, but most days. And I have found so many good things in those things that he writes. But what I have found even more beneficial, every day except Sunday, he puts a section called a la carte. And in the a la carte section, he has links to things that he has found on the Internet. And time after time after time, I find jewels in there and gems. 
Well, today's blog by Tim Challies in the a la carte section, um, and he'll have, uh, oh, maybe seven, eight different uh, articles referenced. The last one in the a la carte section in today's challies.com, it's titled uh, Flashback, um, The Discipline of Watching. And every once in a while, he has uh, taken a book, such as this book by Jerry Bridges. He did that several years ago. And has invited people to join him in an online book club kind of like discussion of that book, chapter by chapter. And a number of years ago, he did that. And what he wrote about that chapter on watching, he happened to then have that repeated and saying flashback and so on, today of all days. So that's why today I'm preparing these proverbs and this just jumped out at me. I thought, wow, how, how appropriate for today. So um, you can't wait too long. Uh, it won't be up on the blog uh, for too many days, but tonight or tomorrow, uh, go on that blog, chalice.com, go to the a la carte, and go to the last one for today. A great article based on that chapter in Jerry Bridges' book. I just commend that to you as a, as a homework assignment, as it were, uh, from this proverb. Well, for the sake of time, the next two verses go together. I think uh, we'll leave that for the next time that I do Proverbs. But let's, we've only do, done two Proverbs tonight. Uh, let's just kind of review how we apply that. So with that first proverb we looked about, about the d desire more of wisdom than wealth, which is more important to you? Ask yourself that question. Getting money or spending time in God's word. And jot down, well, you have it in your notes, those verses, Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And mull that over and begin to, to be very consciously digging for the treasures of God's word. Then on this second proverb, remember that as a believer, you are to be walking on this highway of righteousness, highway of the upright. In walking on this highway, you are to guard your way. You know, you're driving on a busy street and uh, you keep your eye open for all of a sudden other cars might come into your lane, pedestrians. Tonight, we went to pick Debbie up and we're after we left her house just a couple of blocks we're going down a very busy street route 27 and all of a sudden in the middle of this block the distance between two lights the sky starts running across the road you've all seen that when you drive and you have to put on the brakes it's just uh, you have to be on the lookout for those things so that's part of guarding 
uh, as you're driving. Well, remember, that's also how we're to be doing with sin, guarding, uh, always being on the lookout for the, the things that are thrown out by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Are you looking for those obstacles in your Christian life and doing what God calls you to do to avoid them? And then I urge you to apply this by possibly getting that book, Discipline of Grace, by Jerry Bridges, or going to challies.com today. God wants us to grow in our Christian life. He wants us to have the right priorities. Wisdom over money. He wants us to be growing in godliness and sanctification. And that's part of why he gave us the book of Proverbs. Now, anyone uh, listening to this who says, oh, you know, that sounds kind of good, but um, boy, I don't know if I can do it. Um, and, and you're not a Christian. You, can't, you cannot do these things on your own. You can only do these things in the power of the Lord. If you first come in repentance of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and receive that new life and receive the Holy Spirit, then you can look at Proverbs and begin to apply them in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these things, two practical areas today that we have seen before in Proverbs, but you've repeated it for a purpose. And we pray that we would uh, be be obeying you in these things. Bless your word in our hearts tonight and apply it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.